today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. All of the times in my own life where I was just broken, I mean, just the bottom fell out. You hit that rock bottom, you know. And isn't the Lord always right there? He just rushes in. And isn't it true, and have you experienced in your life that during those times of brokenness, the voice of the Lord, which we're going to also see here in a moment, is ever so clear, clearer than it would otherwise be had it not been for that brokenness. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. While none of us are excited to hit rock bottom, many of us recognize the hard times of life as being the most beneficial. In today's message, Pastor J.D. reflects on the goodness and reliability of God when we need Him most in our troubles. Can you recall some hard times that led to significant growth? Well, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 61 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We're nearing the end of the book of Isaiah and two chapters, Lord willing, I should say that heavy on the Lord willing part. So no, two chapters, actually they're relatively short chapters, but oh my goodness, uh, these are amazing, especially uh, chapter 61. For those of you that read ahead, to stay ahead, you know what is ahead. So why don't we pray, if you would please join with me. We'll ask God to bless our time together in His Word. Father in heaven, thank you so, so much. Lord, we I think we oftentimes are prone to just take your goodness for granted. Just the abundance of your blessing and just even this time that we have together here on a Thursday night. We are so blessed, Lord, and so many do not have what we have here. And Lord, forgive us if in any way we've really taken this for granted. We don't want to do that, Lord. This is a, a profound privilege for us. It's, a, it's really a, a sanctuary for us. It's that time of the week where we can come together and just focus our attention on you, put aside all the busyness and stress of our lives, and, and just give you our undivided attention. Because we need you, O Lord, we need you every hour we need you, really every moment we need you to minister to us and to speak into our lives and for some maybe to settle our hearts and refocus us and help us, really. So Lord, we're looking forward with great anticipation to what you're going to do in our time together in your word. And so, Lord, we surrender to you, we submit to you, we commit this time to you, and thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Thank you so much, Lord. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, so 
Well, beginning in chapter 61, we start off with this magnificent declaration from the Lord Himself about all that He came to do, namely that of healing the brokenhearted. Right there, just right out of the chute. Healing the brokenhearted, preaching good tidings to the poor, liberty to the captives, and comfort to all who mourn, among other things, as we're about to see. Just that right there. You know, I'm always struck by the Gospels where Jesus was always attracted to the downcast, the outcast, the last, the least, the weak, the infirmed. And, and they were attracted to Him too, by the way. But the reason for that is because He's close to the brokenhearted. Those who are contrite and those who are broken. He's attracted to the brokenhearted. Isn't it true that we dismiss and even discard that which is broken? If it's broken, you just replace it. Not with the Lord. The Lord takes broken people, and He takes those broken people, and He's going to heal the brokenhearted, and He's close to the brokenhearted, and He's attracted to the brokenhearted, and He's going to heal the brokenhearted. I just, you'll forgive me, I'm, I'm just even in preparing for this study tonight, I was reflecting on all of the times in my own life where I was just broken. I mean, just the bottom fell out. You hit that rock bottom, you know. And isn't the Lord always right there? He just rushes in. And isn't it true, and have you experienced in your life that during those times of brokenness, the voice of the Lord, which we're going to also see here in a moment, is ever so clear, clearer than it would otherwise be had it not been for that brokenness. And you hang on every word. And every word is like a soothing, healing balm on your broken heart. Well, that's chapter 61. If we make it to chapter 62, which at this rate it doesn't look like we will, but we'll try. Oh, ye of little faith. (laughs) But (laughs) in chapter 62 we turn a corner of sorts and God, through the prophet Isaiah, describes this glorious, and I mean glorious, future for Jerusalem. These two chapters before us tonight, oh, just wow. I I, I know that's, uh, but for lack of a better word, it's just wow. That's all I can say is just wow. I mean, wow. So, you ready? Let's get started. Did I hear a No. No, it was more like a go. Can you just go already? Okay, let's go. Verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, 
because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me, here it is, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who were bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, pause for a reason, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Okay, what's up with the pause? Here's what's up with the pause. Jesus read verse 1 and the first part of verse 2 and stopped right at this point of and the day of vengeance of our God when he spoke in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth. We have the account in Luke's gospel chapter 4. I'll begin reading in verse 16. So, He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, interesting, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. Perfect. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recover sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim, verse 19, the acceptable year of the Lord. Then, verse 20, he closed the book, and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Boy, I would have loved to have been a fly on that wall or a camel nearby to see this. (laughs) And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, you think? And he began to say to them, verse 21, Today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So, verse 22, all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, wait a minute. That's not in the original, but it's kind of like, is this not Joseph's son? Again, I would have loved to have been there to see this when he would read this and then stop and then say to them, today, this day, this passage has been fulfilled. In other words, I'm the Messiah. And I find it very interesting, and I I want to point this out because it's very important. It's passages and verses like verse 22 that convince me that the way Jesus spoke was always so kind 
I never imagine Jesus ever speaking with a harsh tone or clenched teeth, you know, like I always do. <laughs> and I mean, there, there was always just love and kindness and compassion. You know, it's interesting, they marveled not at the fact that they had just been told that that prophecy was fulfilled. What did they marvel at? The gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. In other words, it wasn't so much what he said, it was how he said what he said. Now why is that important? Because I think oftentimes we do err greatly in our own lives when we imagine that the Lord is has a certain tone when He's speaking into our lives. Never think that way. There's grace, there's love, there's compassion, there's kindness, there's gentleness in the way that He speaks to us as our Good Shepherd. And except, there is an except here, I was thinking about this today. In fact, I looked up the account and just kind of refreshed my memory of when Jesus went into the temple. And it says that He made a whip, and He drove them out of the temple because they were making merchandise of God's people and ripping them off and turning His house, which was to be a house of prayer, and they had made it a den of thieves. You know, I, I would have liked to have been there too, <laughs> to see that. And to see the Savior, and you got to know that when He did that, they ran. This image we have of Jesus and this picture that we have in our minds, and even how we imagine He is with us, He speaks to us, I think we're off. You'll forgive me for, you know, going into this this far, but when He did that, there was power, there was authority for Him to make a whip. I, I, I tried to find it. It's not there. I kind of wanted it to be there. I have to confess. I wanted it to say that He whipped them. It doesn't say that. I wish it did. I'm sorry. Again, you'll forgive me, but uh, it doesn't say that. It doesn't mean that He didn't, so there's still hope. But he, he actually made the whip, and then He's cracking the whip and turning the tables over and driving them out of that house of prayer. Here's my point, and I do have a point. The harshest words that ever came out of the mouth of the Savior were reserved for the religious leaders. Never the down and out, the last and the least, the brokenhearted, it was nothing but compassion and gracious words. And I imagine that they were so flabbergasted, for lack of a better word, because they're looking at Him 
and they're just so blessed and moved by His grace, and they marveled. And here He's declaring that He's the fulfillment of this messianic prophecy in Isaiah 61, verse 1, in the first part of verse 2 that we just read. And then they catch themselves, and they say amongst themselves, wait a minute, <laughs> this is... This is Joseph's son, isn't it? I remember him when he was running around, a wee little. Don't you hate that when, <laughs> I remember when I was young and, you know, these adults would come up to me towering over me and say, I remember you when you were just a little whippersnapper. <laughs> really? But that's what they were saying. They remembered him as a little boy, as Joseph's son, and it would stand to reason that they had a tremendous difficulty in reconciling how it could even be possible that this kid, if I can say that, I say that respectfully and reverently, this son of Joseph that we knew growing up, he's the Messiah? That just jammed their gears, as it were but I cannot get over how it is that they marveled at the gracious words which he spoke. Here's the takeaway before we move on. The Apostle Paul said that our words need to be seasoned with grace. Again, it's not, how, it's not what we say, it's how we say what we say. You know, there's a, and people can pick it up the loving, caring tone in our voice. And it has to be genuine. You can't try to fake it, because people see right through that. But just sometimes that, that kind word, that gracious word, that word seasoned with grace to someone who's brokenhearted and really struggling, that's the Savior. And if we're being fashioned and made into the image of Jesus to be more like Jesus. Well, that is like Jesus. When we're gracious with people, especially those who are brokenhearted, that's being Christ-like. Well, verse 3, it gets better. Oh boy, does it. He goes on, now, keep in mind that the day of vengeance of the Lord, that wasn't his first coming. That's why he stopped. So he reads and, and quotes Isaiah, the first verse, chapter 61, and the first part of the second verse, because that's what he came to do at his first coming. The day of the vengeance of the Lord and all that follows, beginning here in verse 3, will happen during the seven-year tribulation and culminate in His second coming at the end of the seven-year tribulation. So what's He going to do at that time? Well, He's going to console those who mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I'll take me some of that right now. Praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness. This is very poetic imagery. The planting of the Lord 
that He may be glorified. This is as poetic as it is majestic in its description of what Jesus will do, but maybe more importantly for us here, it's what Jesus will do even now. This is what He does. This is who He is. This is how He is. It's an exchanging of that heaviness, that mourning, the the ashes, when everything has just fallen apart. And you're mourning, and you're grieving, and you're heavy, and the Lord says, I'll take that mourning, I'll take that heaviness, and I'll replace it. I'm not just going to take it from you, I'm going to replace it for you. And what I have to replace it with is joy. Where do I sign? (laughs) Praise? Beauty? I could really use some of that. (laughs) I have to wait till I get my glorified body. Then I'll be beautiful and handsome, I guess, whatever. So you're just going to have to wait. I was born with this face, so deal with it. Verse 4, And they shall rebuild the old ruins, they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities. Some believe the thought here is a reference to what Nehemiah did in the rebuilding of the city walls the desolations of many generations. This is a, again a twofold prophecy yet future that realized its partial fulfillment then, but will ultimately realize its fulfillment yet future. Verse 5, strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But verse 6, you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, verse 7, you shall have double honor. Hang on to that. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess double. There it is again. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, verse 8, the Lord love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth and will make with them an everlasting covenant. Wow. Well, let's try to work through this. There's a lot here. This is a textbook case of how the Lord, as only He can, takes that which is wrong and restores it, even doubles it to make it right, like He did with Job, by the way. He doubled everything that was taken away, except his children. Have you ever wondered about that? Why did he not get double the children? Because he, they were waiting for him in glory. So the children that he had 
in addition to the children that had died and were waiting for him in glory, would be that double portion. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from Isaiah with Pastor J.D., make sure to really think about what you're hearing and what God wants to speak to you today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly to grow in relationship with God and others. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Isaiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages on our website. We encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and In Spirit and Truth. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to In Spirit and Truth. Keeping me right with your wind.